Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Zemo plays for Muppy's party. We bring you an act. They'll just boggle your mind. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the April and May 1978 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. This is kind of the beginning of what I've been waiting for for this podcast. You know, there's so much really cool cool music in here. Um, We've got Japan coming. We've got The Only Ones. And one of my favorites, and I think Joseph's too, we've got The Cars. Um, it's it's going to be a blast. So tell you what, let's get let's get the whole thing kicked off with "Bye Bye Love" by the Cars right off the bat. chance that this is the first new wave album i ever owned um you know it's interesting you say that because i think i i obviously had had heard the cars in my young age uh, in my young years um this song or this song is one of the one of the first that i remember and this album was i think also the first cars album i bought and and, and it was introduced to me by a young guy who was a, a friend of my brother's named John Clark. I'm just going to give him a shout out right now. Uh, he was he was crashing at our house one night, and he brought this over and played it at our house, and uh, and it kind of blew me away. I mean, I love the band ever since. Mm-hmm. So we are going to spend a fair amount of time talking about this album, but um, before we get into that, let's uh, talk a little bit about what was going on in April, May of 1978. You're probably pretty curious, right, Rob? Oh, oh, totally curious. I want to know. Okay, so here were the the, uh, popular movies here in the United States. Um, The Last Waltz, Jaws 2, Heaven Can Wait, and Damien, Omen 2. I actually watched that movie last night. Totally (laughs) coincidentally. I I forgot that that was coming up but and was it as good as they thought in 1978 oh i i have no idea um i mean it's pr- pretty silly but yeah. um yeah. but entertaining uh the number one songs here in the united states were night fever by the bgs if i can't have you by yvonne elliman with a little luck 
by Paul McCartney and Wings and Shadow Dancing by Andy Gibb. Oh, wow. Uh, debuting TV was Dallas in 2020. Other things happening at this period is Velcro is put onto the market. Ooh, it's, yeah. It seems a little odd that that it came that late. It seems like Velcro has <laughs> been around forever, but Velcro apparently... Velcro changed music forever. Okay? <laughs> yeah, that's I think, right. I think that's really right. it did. It was important in the new wave movement. So um, I am I am so excited about this this group of of albums we're going to be talking about yeah. um, in. Uh, Last month when we talked about March, I had real mixed feelings about that that group of albums. Not with this. I am so pleased. There were so many pleasant surprises um, as I was going through this this group of albums. This is a this is one of my favorite playlists and one of my favorite couple of months um, so far as far as releases. I just, every, I think the worst that I can say about the album that I like the least is it's pretty good. And then it goes up from there. <laughs> yeah. So you may yeah. not even recognize me from last month as far as my attitude about about the albums we have to talk <laughs> about. I, I'm just totally 100% on board with just about everything. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to get going um, and to dive into um, to the first of these albums. But but first, um, there's there was a little something you wanted to mention about last episode, right? Yeah, yeah. So so you know we talked about Elvis Costello and and the kind of un unsavory uh, topic of racism and. Oh yeah, I, the the incident. The incident, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, is, is going back and listening to it, 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 I feel that that perhaps I wasn't articulate enough in in kind of explaining my stance, or at least saying what I wanted to say um, on the air. And which which was, I think the comment that I made had something to do with, uh, you know, people were using the n-word and uh you know nowadays we we've learned not to and i i i don't think that's exactly what i meant to put out there but that's that's the way it sounded um the truth of it is is anytime elvis costello or anybody else uses that word and and uses it to get a reaction it's racism I mean, yeah, yeah. flat yeah. out, it's racism, and it's a racist thing to do. There's no ex excusing it, and there's no apologizing for it. And I certainly wasn't trying to excuse or apologize That's for right. Elvis Costello's racism. <clears throat> so, um, anyway, that said, uh, you know, I feel like I needed to to kind of say something to that because I felt like I, in a strange way, somehow misrepresented myself. Okay, one last thing before we jump into it. Nobody really knows what. Apple's secret sauce is as far as the the formula for for rankings and for um, you know getting podcasts into the featured sections, but um, it's pretty clear that a written review goes a long way. Yeah. So if you enjoy this podcast and you haven't 
written a review. If you wouldn't mind it, it, when you're done done listening to this, just hopping over there. I we I think we literally have a review that just says I dig it. Totally cool. Yeah, that that's, that that's works. All I need. Okay, let's talk about some music. Yeah. So the first album we're going to discuss today is by a band called a de- the debut album of um, a band called Slaughter in the Dogs. <laughs> is this a band you were aware of before? Not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, not to my knowledge. I mean, if I've heard them in the past, I have long forgotten about it. I thought that this was a brand new band um, as well until I listened to this album. And I, it turns out I'm actually familiar with one of the songs. Oh. Thanks to that compilation I keep referring to, the Cherry Red Records um the history of UK punk or something very similar to that. Um, So where have all the boot boys gone is a song that I was familiar with. Um, This album, this band, and, and I'm not sure specifically this album, but this band I've seen referred to as uh, being in the oi category. Um, This album it's not quite, you know, it, it that that doesn't quite feel right to to call it an oi punk album. I mean, the first couple of songs start off, but then it veers in some kind of surprising directions. How um, how how do you like this album? You know, I, I honestly I like this album a lot. Uh huh. Um, I think there are probably seven or eight songs on it that I just think are awesome. And then mm-hmm. the rest, I like pretty much, you know. <laughs> so um, the whole the album surprised me, um, and you know I've got my favorites. It kind of, in ways, it appeals to my darker side. Um, I really dig the energy on it. And then I was really kind of happy to see that there was a song written by uh, um, David Johansson and Johnny Thunders that uh, you know I kind of dug. So it's yeah. There, there's also. Um... A Lou Reed cover, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, or... yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of covers on here. Um, yeah, I. Um, this is this probably falls lower on my list of of favorites during this this period, but mm-hmm. but I like it, and yeah. it it was. It didn't get old for me, you yeah, know. Right. The fr- uh, the first couple of first three or four songs i was feeling like oh by the end of this album i'm i'm gonna be done with it but it just it starts out kind of more straightforward oi punk and then goes in some like not jarring directions but some somewhat surprising i mean i i I hear like a lot of more like hard rock heavy metal elements there there are a couple of songs that that have a real strong like alice cooper vibe to it yeah that's that's the Uh, truth yeah um and i you know i'm listening to it thinking that this is this is kind of a, a precursor to some of the heavier bands that I like now, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right about that. 
Mm-hmm. So my my favorite song, probably just because I'm the most familiar with it, is um, Where Have All the Boot Boys Gone? And I think that that was the closest this album got to having a hit. Um, what what was your favorite song off the album? Well, it, it might not surprise you, but uh, I really enjoyed Victims of the Vampire. Yeah. Now, now is it is it solely just because of the subject matter, or no? no? no oh, good. No. Okay. No, it's not. It's the. I mean, it's the kind of audible aesthetics to the whole song. Really, it, uh, I don't know. I, I just I laid back and I listened to it, and I, like I said, it feels it feels kind of dark. It feels kind of I don't. Know, it feels fun, but I I just really enjoyed the sound. I mean, it's just a great great tune. There are several albums we'll be talking about today that unfortunately are not on Spotify. Um, So while here in the episode, we're listening to the studio version, which I greatly prefer, um, the link to the Spotify playlist will be a live version, which um, I can't really tell if if it was just a, a not very good recording or if this band isn't maybe the greatest live band. Do, do, how, which which version do you prefer? You've heard both of them. I, I, you know, I, I have to say I like the, the studio version better. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, the live version was a bit rough, and that's the truth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, so let's um, let's move on to... The first real big surprise for me, which is Japan's debut album called Adolescent Sex. I have a ton to say about this album, but before I do that, I just want to I want to give you a chance to to um, to talk about this album and and introduce your song. We'll listen to your song before I start vomiting up all of my uh impressions about this this album because at that point is probably going to bring the the episode to a grinding halt so (laughs) i want i want you to get your your uh, chance to um to say your piece about this album how how are you feeling about this album uh well i feel like i mean i enjoy the album as well it's um i think about i didn't I didn't say that I loved it. I you just say, say I've got a l- but, lot to say about it. Yeah, it's true. What you did say at the <laughs> beginning is the one you like the least, it's a pretty good album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed the album. 
I think I only loved or only really liked about half of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like the album was actually, I kind of enjoyed the fact that it sounded like it was inspired by some 70s funk, you know, and and I actually thought that that would be the hook for you, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you didn't quite hear the way I did, but but I kind of felt like that's where it was where it was kind of leaning. Were um, you familiar with Japan before? Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd heard about them. I knew they were there. I honestly never listened to them. Could, could you have named a song by nah, Japan? Not no. a one. So is this is this going to be an album that you're going to go back to? Um, you know, I might put a song or two on a playlist someplace in a compilation, a mixed CD for myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know that I'll end up owning it necessarily for myself Mm -hmm. you know it's not Mm -hmm. i don't feel that strongly about it so the song you picked was transmission is is this your favorite song off of the album this is um it's one of three favorite songs actually Uh uh and uh out of the four songs i liked (laughs) but it to me it's it was it was kind of dynamic like you know, I, I, I just felt it was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I going back to the songs that I also marked as being songs I enjoyed, there there was one in there that I just simply was, was like, you know, I think I only like this for the music. I don't really like it for the lyrics. Um, but, you know, it, it, for some reason, struck a chord anyway, so I, I made a note of it. But, but yeah, trans, transmission is, is probably, I, I, I would have to say I like it more than any of the others. the last several days as I've been listening to this playlist your pick has has become my favorite song off this album I, I actually like this song more than the song that I picked um, so this album <laughs> this album makes me giggle a lot um <laughs> Uh, I uh, I was familiar with Japan. I, I I'd heard it referenced, you know, all of the time as like a an early influential um, new wave band. Yeah, right. And so about three or four years ago, I finally picked up a compilation like the best of Japan or, or uh-huh. something very generic. And I just couldn't get into it. I, I think I probably listened to it at like three or four times, but um, it sounded completely disjointed. I had no sense of like what the fuck this band was about. And now listening to this album, 
I'm getting a sense that, okay, this is a band that really like morphs every album. That, that's my guess because I've, yeah. I've only heard this studio album, which makes sense that a, a compilation, a best of album would, would be kind of all over the place. Um, <clears throat> so this album, you know, in the, in the research that I did, uh, and particularly as far as contemporary reviews, they, there was discussion of, of it being, you know, a punk album, a post-punk album, a new wave album, right. and all that's all appropriate, but fundamentally, this is a disco album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, I, I, this is, oh, um, Glam Rock, that, that's another one that came up in a lot of, right. a lot of reviews as well. So this is like T-Rex goes disco. Mm-hmm, um, there you go. I, I, that's a great way to describe them. And uh, the uh, biggest hit off of this album is the title track called Adolescent Sex, which is my pick to listen to um, today. Uh, this album did not do well in the UK. It did uh, much better in, surprise, surprise, Japan and <laughs> in the Netherlands. Um, and Adolescent Sex was the... Uh, their breakthrough hit in in both of those countries. In the last couple of weeks, Rob, as you know, I started a new job. Yeah. So while I'm at work, depending on the work that I'm doing, sometimes I just have my headphones in and I can listen to these albums as I'm working. So the first couple of times I listened to this album, I was at work. So I had it, you know, I was the music was occupying like maybe a third of my brain space while I was working. And I was really digging it. It's got this really cheeky disco vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And so at first I was like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite album in the world. And then (laughs) I sat down outside of work and really listened to it and Boy, it gets old fast. It does not hold up to close scrutiny. Uh The lead singer has pretty much disowned this album. And his his criticism is they were they were too green, they were too young, they weren't ready to release a debut album. And I totally hear that. I absolutely agree with him. Um the vibe is and I'm sure we've all had this experience where um, in high school or just out of high school, we have a close friend who's like, hey, we started a band. Come see our band. So you go and and you you watch them perform and you like want to support them. And maybe they have some talent, but they're trying so hard. Yeah. And that that's what this album feels like to me. Um you you can hear several of the songs sound like they're really really want to be like early cool in the gang. Uh-huh. Um, yep. One of the songs they even name check Earth Wind and Fire. So they're they're and and the 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 guy's performance. Um, 
I think is really strong on the song that we just heard, Transmission. Mm -hmm. But you can hear it more in Adolescent Sex, where he's just, he's not coming from a confident, authentic place. You can hear him trying to be something that he's not, which is which is very natural for young singer starting out. Um, so this is um, this is a fun album mm-hmm. that gets old fast, and um, I don't love it as much as I thought that I was going to. Wow. A little disappointment there for you, huh? Well. Well, it, it is like you said. It is a fun album. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's I think it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's listen to adolescent sex. six months ago, what was the first real big new wave hit in the United States? I would not have said anything from the cars. Mm -hmm. I would have said with a lot of confidence, I would have said um, the next My Sharona. I really had it in my head that My Sharona was much earlier than the cars, but that's not true. My Sharona doesn't come out for at least another year. Um, do you have a sense of, of how popular they ever got um, in Europe? I, I don't, actually. Um, My guess is that they're, they're, they're very much an American-centric band. Right, and that's kind of how I was feeling about yeah. it, too. Uh, at, at least until um, 1985 or six's Heart heartbeat city yeah for sure listeners out there over in the uk that are you know were around in 1978 when did you first hear about the cars um i i just i've never been aware of the cars being particularly popular any place but u.s and canada of course this album recently listening to it again it holds up like it doesn't feel super dated the weakest song on this album, I really like. I mean, it it's it starts from really like and then goes up. I mean, th- there are classic, classic songs off of this album. So the big hits were Just What I Needed, My Best Friend's Girlfriend, and Good Times Roll. 
we actually have already heard a song off this off this album way back in our favorite new wave bands episode we played um my best friend's girl um because the cars were one of your all-time favorite new wave bands they were also one of my all-time favorite new wave bands as well um So this is Rolling Stone's 284th greatest album of all times. Uh, so we have already heard um, Bye Bye Love at the top of the show. That was my pick from this album. Uh, what's your pick? Uh, I picked I'm In Touch With Your World. And the reason I chose it was because, honestly, it's one that I, I really don't remember. All the other songs on this album, I know very well. Uh, this one is one that, for some reason, it, it did not stick into my memory banks. Um, I think it's a completely great song, but I think it needs some uh, it needs some love. You can suck it on the inside. Almost impossible to overstate what a big deal the the cars were here in the United States when this album came out. I mean, they were it was not the best-selling album of that year or or anything, but it this album is a is a minor miracle in the sense that it is without a doubt new wave without a doubt the first new wave album to to really hit the charts here in the united states but it also fits in really really nicely with all of the other music the all of the other rock that was popular at the time so they they really sort of like eat their cake and have it too um that's i think that's part of why it it yeah. Didn't get dated. It, it, why yeah. it holds up today. It still fits in with today's music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, I, I have been living with this album almost all my life. You know, even, mm-hmm. even before I knew what New Wave was or even before I knew, oh, that's the cars. It's like from my very earliest memories of listening to the radio, there, there were the cars. Um, while we're on the subject of the cars, 
I want to, you know, I gave my shout out to uh, our young friend, John Clark. Um, this is a shout out to the lead singer of the Cars. Back when we did that uh, favorite new wave bands and I brought up the Cars and I talked about the name Rick Ocasek. I mm -hmm. actually listened to a video, an, an interview, mm -hmm. where he pronounced it Ocasek. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Ocasek as yeah. well. I've always pronounced it Ocasek, but here's what I've decided. I'm just going to, like, sidestep this whole issue because, <laughs> like I said, I have the Cars music has been a part of my life my entire life. So I, I feel like I have a really intimate relationship with the Cars and the Cars music. And I feel like I have... I have earned the right to just refer to him as Ricky O. So from now go. on, he is Ricky O to me. Ricky O. Well, at any rate, my point was that <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go ahead and, and acknowledge that, that I was wrong about his name pronunciation. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Television releases their second album, Adventure. Now, we talked about this album um, a a little while ago um, mm -hmm. when we did our mini dive on Richard Hell and Friends. That was the summer of 77 episode. And we listened to the song Foxhole back then. Right. Um, <laughs> I am probably the only person in the world who likes this album better than their debut album. How how are you well, feeling about this album? I am uh, I'm not crazy about the album actually. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Um I uh I don't know. I felt I just felt like it was kind of weak. You know, there were two there were two songs that I really enjoyed on the album. Um maybe three songs. Um but but it's not something that I think I would I would sit with, you know. It's not something that I would I would uh, put in the car and listen to on a road trip. Well, you know, it's funny. I think I like this album more because fundamentally I am not a fan of television. Right. So, um, you know, with a lot of artists, you either love them because you love their idiosyncrasies or you don't like them because you don't like their idiosyncrasies. Right, exactly. If their first two albums were two different types of people at at a party the first album is like a pretentious postgraduate student who's got you cornered and spends two hours you know uh, talking about their thesis you know <laughs> Where okay. this one feels like it's more like somebody who's telling you stories because they want to entertain you. Oh, right? Okay. And so I just, you know, I'm not, I really am not interested in the, the lead singer-songwriter's inner life. It's just yeah. fundamentally just doesn't click with me. Well, so, I, I, yeah. I appreciate that description. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to the first album as well. Let's do it over again. Just, just because I want to connect the dots, you know? I mean, 
Um, and I've got to once again acknowledge that I am I am in the the smallest of minorities on in this. Their 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 first album, Marquee Moon, is generally considered a classic. Yeah, just doesn't do do anything for me. So we have already heard. Oh, and also I I do want to say that um, this album was more popular and more successful here in the U.S. than their original album, their first album. Gotcha. Little bit of trivia there. So we have heard Foxhole, which is my favorite song off of the album. This time you get a pick a song. What did you pick? Well, I picked a song that that uh, resonated with me a long time ago when I heard that, when I first heard this album, and that's the fire. Storms of that summer we One of the few albums released during this period that um, there were no real surprises for me um, other than I like it more than I think most people do compared, compared to the first album. Let's move on to The Strangler's third album, Black and White. Um, we spent a fair amount of time talking about this album back when we did our deep dive on the Stranglers. Um, remind me, Rob, where you, you sat with this album back when we did the deep dive. You were, it was kind of like in the middle of the pack for you as far as your ranking. Yeah, it was, it was, um, in the middle of the pack as well as uh, kind of floating towards the end. But mm-hmm. to be honest, uh, I've listened to it like four or five times recently. And uh, it, it really am starting to like this album a lot. It's starting to grow on me. Yeah. Yeah. I Same way with me. Um, it took me a long time to get into this album, but I continue to like it more and more. I believe that it was my number four or five mm-hmm. and I can't see it ever getting any higher than that just because I love the Stranglers so much and sure, yeah. the the other four albums are are all-time favorites for me but um this is when the Stranglers start getting interesting um they had two decent sized hits in the UK off of this album um nice and sleazy which we heard in the deep dive episode, and then a cover tune um, called Walk On By. We also heard the song In the Shadows, mm-hmm. the featuring one of the raunchiest bass yeah. lines you'll you'll ever hear. Which is why um, I love that song so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this 
This al- this is the first Stranglers album that has all kinds of really cool little nooks and crannies for me. You know, um, there's just the there are there are a few songs that sound like they're spillovers from the first two kind of more straightforward punk um, albums, but a lot of it is just well very much like the song that we're going to hear today called outside tokyo um there's just a lot more elbow room to the song there they they let the song breathe a little bit more it's not balls to the wall punk rock i i know that this album is quite often lumped in uh with the other two albums that they were released up to this point and so it's always in the sense of like oh the first three punk albums this is the weakest one and i think that that's true if you think of it as a punk album but more than half of this uh the songs on this album really qualify more as like post-punk so let's uh let's listen to outside tokyo Somewhere outside Tokyo invented time Someone in a factory invented time If people wanted proof to carry on They'd like to buy one Fifty Watches with a strap to sell. Fifty million watches with a strap to sell. If people wanted proof to carry on, they'd like to buy one. As I was listening to this album again recently, like I said, four or five times. Outside Tokyo was one that just kept jumping out to me. Um, I, like I said, I mentioned the, that the reason I liked In the Shadows before was because of the raunchy bass. I have to say that was probably not my least favorite song this time around, but it, it was kind of towards the bottom where really? the sound, yeah, um, the sound of Outside Tokyo, to me it was, I don't know, it just, it, it, the, it was just dynamic, it was interesting, it had like this crisp, there was something in there yeah, and I I think it was it was kind of the way that his his vocals worked with with the sounds around him, you know. Well, and he is as a storyteller, he is. Um, th- there is a real uh, sense of ir- irreverence, mm-hmm. you know, which which sure. you're gonna start hearing a lot more um, in albums that they released down the road which i really like yeah i was i was assuming that we would hear two songs off of this album just because i love this album so much but there there are so so many great albums we're going to be talking about this episode that when i saw you pick this song and i listened to it i was i was like okay this should this should be enough. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, because it, it is, if you had picked one of like the punkier songs, I probably would have, would have picked something that was a little bit moodier. But this, yeah. 
the, I feel like this song really gives the listeners a flavor of where this album, how this album is different from the first two albums. Well, it certainly, it certainly shows their range. I mean, I, I felt you talked about it being post-punk, and I felt like it was even sliding more towards New Wave. Yeah. Um, just a little bit, you know. So uh, it's a great song, and my God, I, you know, I'll end up becoming a Stranglish fan yet, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the next album on our list, the debut album from the band The Only Ones. Hey, had you ever even heard of The Only Ones? The name doesn't sound familiar, but there is a song that I know, as soon as I heard it on this album, it, it, there was a, a bell that went off. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was this was their biggest hit. I'm assuming another girl, another another planet. girl, another planet. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I am f- very familiar with this song, and uh-huh. uh, you know it had been long forgotten. But once it started playing, I even knew the words. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I not only didn't recognize the name of the band. I don't think I've ever heard. A, anything by this band i mean it, ah, it could be because they, they they released a couple more albums so it could be down the road i hear something that rings a bell um, uh-huh. but this was completely brand new to me um they sound very u.s east coast um uh-huh. they uh, if if it weren't for the lead singer you know and his his pretty distinct um English, uh, not just accent, but his vernacular. Um, mm-hmm. I w- it wouldn't even occur to me that these guys weren't from New York. You That's know, interesting. Yeah. Um, there, I hear a lot of um, like Velvet Underground, and yeah, I hear right. a lot of television. Mm-hmm. Now you know. I'm not crazy about the Velvet Underground, and I'm not crazy about television, as we just discussed. <laughs> two, two bands I happen to like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I fucking love this album. Yeah. I love this album so much. Yeah. Why I like this album and don't care for the the two bands that, that were obvious huge influences on them, I couldn't tell you. But um, it's funny, my, my uh, like, signpost for this style of, of music is the Violent Femmes. Right. So quite often in this podcast, they go, oh, I bet uh, Gordon Gano of the Violent Femmes listened to a lot of this album or a lot of that album. Well, this band is another one I'm going to add to my list of, of like, Gordon Gano must have have been familiar with this band because I am hearing a lot of, you know, what the Violent Femmes are going to do later on. And what I particularly love about this album is that you can really hear the influences, you know, of bands that came before them. But at the same time, they sound so ahead of their time. Yeah. I mean, they are really sounding all a lot like the music that um, I, I, 
I don't want to say becomes popular because that implies that it's commercially popular, but there's this whole wave in the in the early 90s of kind of like slop rock, you know, like um oh, what's uh like pavement and luna and these sort of like lo-fi indie bands um uh sunny day real estate i think is another one they were they were these bands were very big with the young hipsters in the in the early 90s um and this album is the first album that we've heard chronologically as we've gone through that that sounds like it's sort of one of the granddaddies of that style of music that 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 really becomes you know becomes a thing in the early 90s yeah. you know you, when i when yeah. i first heard it i i knew right away that that there was a uh, kind of a, f- a flavor you know that that um that uh you know the influenced the bands influenced uh by this band later on were just going to pop to you um mm-hmm. it it to me, the influence uh, that these guys had feels like it must have come out of like the 60s and early 70s psychedelic music. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly why I liked it so much. So the Velvet Underground fits in there. And, and you know, I don't know. It's, it's really cool stuff. But I am excited to hear that you really enjoyed it. As soon as I heard this album, I, I felt like there was some violent femmes in the air, you know. And I, I had a feeling that you were really going to love this album because of that Um, yeah yeah well you know the the thing is as i was listening to it the first time you know heard a song and then another song and i was like wow i really like this but boy this is gonna get old fast and i was like just dreading like there's no way i'm gonna get through this album and not feel bogged down in it because because he has a very distinct style in fact let's uh, let's listen to the first song before we talk about his his style and why i love this album so much so the listeners have a bit of a reference point uh let's listen to my favorite song off of the album um or at least one of my favorites called uh, creatures of doom someone came up to me and they said to me i know something that you don't know by the stars I gave a second glance and said I'll follow where you go It's our destiny You and me we could conquer the world That's our destiny We could conquer the world You and me are Is it hungry? Is it dead? Is it tired of So as I was listening to this album for the first time and, you know, I get to, I, I was just going in the back of my mind, I was going, okay, when is this going to start getting grating and annoying? You know, when, when are they going to run out of 
tricks in their bag of tricks. Uh And it really didn't. I mean, I like every song. And every once in a while, there is a song where, you know, I'm getting in into the song and I go, okay, this is this is where they trip. This is where they start, you know, recycling things. And then suddenly an element will pop up, you know, be it a melody or a lyric or more commonly uh, something, a shift in the music that I hadn't heard yet on this album that makes me go, oh, no, 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 this this song really is distinct from all of the other songs. And I, f- I like every single song off of this album. In fact, yeah. my least favorite song is uh, Your Pick. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel like this is the most dated sounding they get off of this album. Yeah, I have to agree with that. That it's the most dated. Um, it it's it's definitely got that '60s, early '70s vibe, and it it doesn't really go anywhere but there. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but like I said, I picked the song because it was something I knew. Um, this is uh, another girl, another planet. Although this is probably my least favorite song on the album, it totally makes sense that this is their most successful song uh-huh. uh, because it's got, and I think that's they, those two things probably go hand in hand for me. You know, it's 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 their most accessible because there are more familiar elements to it. So it just doesn't. Right. What I love about this album is when they are sounding like no other band can sound except for them. And this song kind of sounds a little bit more standard to me. When I was, when I was going through the list and trying to decide what song to pick, um, again, the reason I picked that one was because I recognized it. Mm-hmm. But there are a stack of other songs. I also like every single song on the album. Yeah. Um, the first song, The Whole of the Law, The Whole of the Law itself, that phrase is is a reference uh, taken from Aleister Crowley um, of the, you know, the, the, the occult era, um, which, you know, so I recognized that right away, but I'm like, yeah, but is it? I don't, I don't know. That was a good one, but and then and then down at the end, uh, no peace for the wicked. Again, more songs that I like. Am I going to pick that one? I had to go with another girl, another planet. Moving on to the Vibrators' second album, called V Two. This was their most successful album, but generally, the critics didn't care for it. They the the critics thought it was a um a letdown from their first album. How are you feeling about uh the Vibrators V two? 
I thought that it was, uh, you know, some some fun punk rock, but uh, not quite, didn't quite live up to my expectations. Let me put it that way. So, do you like it uh, more or less than the the um, their debut? I think I like it less than their debut album. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was the second biggest surprise for me. Uh, you may remember I was not a big fan of their right. debut album. Right. Um, it it sounded like just bland rock and roll with a little bit more distortion. You know, um, it was kind of vapid song, love, vague vapid love songs um you know mm-hmm. with a every once in a while they throw a little s&m twist in but but it was it, and the the music just sounded kind of sluggish it sounded you know it was it was much too referential to like the rolling stones and and bands like that right what a surprise this this album is i like this album a lot more now they i i can't imagine that they weren't heavily influenced by the clash's first album so so hmm. this this album once again doesn't sound particularly original but but it, it they're they are cribbing from a band in an album that I find much more interesting than, you know, late sixties, early seventies rock. Um, so in fact, I would say that this album is more of a spiritual follow-up to the clashes debut album than the clashes second album is. Um, I really enjoyed this album. I didn't love it because it didn't feel like it was breaking any new ground. But there is the 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 lyrical content is so much more interesting than the first album. These these are I mean th- there are a few love songs, but it's you know it, it's more social political um protest slash satire um i i think that this is pretty solid um i i was really pleasantly surprised a little uh a little uh trivia here um it's not the song i picked but for listeners out there who by any chance happen to like Jimi hendrix um the song pure mania samples red house by Jimi hendrix himself Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is the song that you picked off of this album? I, I chose Automatic Lover. Again, I felt like it was kind of a, you know, kind of it fit with a fun punk vibe that I was kind of kind of latching onto with this album. Mm-hmm. Automatic Lover Automatic Lover She comes, she's crazy, but she knows the scene. Carries an automatic pistol, but she ain't got no magazine. Run for cover, run for cover. She's the kind of thing I was warned up by my mother. Automatic lover, automatic lover. Where I am, 
feel like this song is a bit of an outlier on this album because, as I mentioned before, most of the other songs have more of a like social or political bent to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember a song off of this album that I didn't like where there are, there was probably the majority of the songs off of the first album. I kind of actively was annoyed by. So, so this song, excuse me, this album gets a thumbs up from me. And my, my guess is that, it will end up being my favorite Vibrators album, but there is no way that the Vibrators are ever going to come close to being one of my favorite punk or post-punk oh, um, never bands. Say never. I, I never. just, <laughs> I just don't, I don't think they have the raw potential for for greatness. Uh-huh. Uh, totally subjective thing. Just yeah. acknowledging that. Hey, so that puts us. Uh, that brings us to uh, the last album, relevant album released in April and May of 1978. Um, that's the Saints follow-up album, um, uh, Eternally Yours. Now, the Saints are our mini-dive. So let's just take a moment here to stop and reflect on the albums released during this period before we jump into the mini dive. So once again, um, we've talked about Slaughter and the Dogs debut album, Japan's debut album, The Cars debut album, Television's second album, The Stranglers' third album, The Only One's debut album, and The Vibrators' second album. So of those albums, including The Saints, Eternally Yours, what, uh, which we will get to in a second, what earns um, Rob's best of show for yeah. April and May of 1978? So, okay. You know how I love the cars, and I do. I love the mm-hmm. cars. But I have to say, hands down, my favorite album's The Only Ones. It uh, it hit all the right buttons. I loved every single song, and it was it really was difficult to choose a favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. So I have to say that is my best in show for today. Okay, I'm gonna make this short and sweet. Ditto. Yeah. And on that note, let's talk about the Saints. Absolutely. Here are Absolutely. the five most popular Saint songs on Spotify. And four of the five are off of their first album. So number one is I'm Stranded. Number two is Know Your Product. That's the only one not off of their debut album. Number three is The Perfect Day. Number four is Messing with a Kid. And number five is One Way Street. So I don't, my sense is that it didn't, start out this way as far as when they first started they were very much a band as a unit Mm -hmm. but as it progressed it this is it really turned into sort of a one person project um in in the sense yeah, yeah in the in the sense that um chris bailey 
he is he is the through line through all of the Saints albums. He is the only member that is on every single Saints album. He is a lead singer. He is the primary songwriter. Um, they have over the years they have nearly forty band members. So it's it's uh, really sort of the Chris Bailey band. Um, very quickly, that's essentially what it turns into. Right. Um, yeah. So they, you know, Chris Chris Bailey had he had uh, I think two other guys at the beginning when they formed in 1973. Uh, mm-hmm. Ed, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ed Cooper and Ivor Hay, um, and they they were. I feel like they were a pretty tight band. They were the ones that were uh, uh, primarily on "I'm Stranded." Um, I mean, they there were I think there were four or five band members by the time that that album came mm-hmm. around. But but those guys held on the longest. And you're right, having I mean, he did so much with it as we'll talk about. You know, with yeah, yeah, string sections and horn sections, and it got he got huge. So um, he actually releases a lot of albums because this is a mini dive. We are really only going to talk about the albums through um, 1986. Um, And then at the very end, we will just in passing mention the uh, seven albums released after 1986. But we're really going to focus on 1986 and uh, we're only going to consider those albums uh, for our rankings. So I want you to go first mm-hmm. on your rankings of the Saints albums. Okay. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with. Do we start with? Yeah, we'll start with the, my least favorite, which is number seven, um, because we're covering seven albums. Uh, the Monkey Puzzle, number six is Casablanca. Number five is a little. Oh gosh, that title. Hang on. A little it's a madness, little madness to, be- to be free. Yeah. <laughs> um, All Fools Day is my number four. Number three is Prehistoric Sounds. Number two is I'm Stranded, and number one is Eternally Yours. Aha! Uh-huh. So that that answers the question that I was going to ask once we started talking about this album. If you because I'm Stranded was your number four. Yeah. Pick favorite album of 1977 and you like this album better i like it a little bit better (laughs) yeah very good very good okay so my rankings (laughs) this is such bullshit okay here's (laughs) here's my rankings my number seven is the monkey puzzle Uh uh what what was your number six uh casablanca my number six was casablanca what was your Uh number five a little madness to be free. <laughs> this is my way of saying I don't have rankings for, gotcha. for, for the Saints. <laughs> I um I, I want to emphasize the difference between ambivalence and indifference. Yeah. I am completely indifferent about this band. I was really hoping that I was going to get into this band. Yeah. Um but I just don't have any strong feelings either positive or negative they he um chris bailey sounds like a really solid um blue collar pub rocker and And i I, I just i have no barometer for that that is that is completely off my wavelength 
That might be the case, to be honest. Um, but I will say that uh, Chris Bailey, you know, being the one the one piece that goes through this entire this entire game is is uh, hardworking through and through till the end, um, and transformative, obviously. Uh, you know, their their albums following "I'm Stranded" don't sound so punkish anymore, but sound well, except maybe I don't know the the second album's a little punky, mm-hmm. but it starts to sound more like you said, more like pub rock, yeah, um, or even or even into the '80s uh, kind of alt alternative rock, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and you know I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. We're here to talk about punk and new wave and. These guys are, they became kind of a different kind of music. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's. Okay. So, uh, the Saints, you're, do you have anything more to say about the Saints before we just um, talk about the individual albums? No, no. I think we should go into it. Okay. So, the Saints released their debut in 1977 um, with an album called I'm Stranded. They hit single and probably, and they're, their most famous song is um, I'm Stranded. And um, we have heard a lot of songs off of this album um, in the first season of, of this podcast. So we have already heard I'm Stranded, One Way Street, Messing with a Kid, Nights in Venice, and Demolition Girl. Um, uh, another thing notable about this album is it was number 20 in the book, uh, the 100 best Australian albums. Right. I think it's a really good punk album. Um, this is also the, this is the band that we talked about before who sounded punk and their record label wanted them to look more punk. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, but these guys look like. They look like working class Joes, just uh, you know, blue jeans, t-shirts, and and uh, they wanted the the record label wanted uh, spiked hair and torn torn jackets and leather and spikes, but that wasn't them. Nineteen seventy eight sees the release of Eternally Yours, and I I do like this album a little bit better than mm-hmm. I'm Stranded. Yeah. Um, and what was the song that you picked off of this album to listen to today? It was a hard one. I went back and forth between several, but I finally stuck with Private Affair. You say that you got the answer. You had them all on Italian phone. And now you're telling I never fight it. You still grew up in a business so come. We got new thoughts, new ideas. It's all so groovy. It's just a shame that we all see the same old According to uh, according to band founder and, and lead singer Chris Bailey, this this is the Saints' first album to him mm. because he felt like uh, well, I'm Stranded was really just made up of demos, and you know, last time we talked about the Saints, I'm Stranded was my favorite album, and I did think it was going to carry over into you know being on top. But uh, as it turns out, this is kind of a more refined album than than the first one. So he was he was right on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, 
My understanding is, and I, I should have done my homework a little bit better, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. The um, the Saints debut album, My I'm Stranded, is the only album that was released by a major label, EMI. And from there on out, it is smaller labels, like smaller independent labels. Um, uh, uh, at least a couple of these albums are are pretty much released by Chris Bailey um, in a, a totally independent really released album. And because of that, just tracking down some of the uh, these albums is pretty rough. I mean, the yeah. the um, <laughs> the selection on Spotify is pretty spotty for the Saints, just because in just about every album is on a different label than the one before it. It's just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Nineteen seventy eight, um, the Saints release the third album called Prehistoric Sounds. This contains one of the two songs that I've come across that I really actively like um, called, and this is probably my favorite Saint song. Um, although I'm stranded, I, I, I really do like as well. Um, but the song we're going to listen to from Prehistoric Sounds album is... Swing for the crime. Call this of of the songs that I've heard by the Saints up through 1986. I would call this probably their jauntiest song. Very jaunty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you agree with that Absolutely. categorization? Okay, cool, cool. 1981 sees a release of the Monkey Puzzle. I uh, couldn't get into this album at all. <laughs> Um, I I I really think that probably my my favorite of this period of the Saints is All Fools Day and Eternally Yours, mm -hmm. um, and then all the rest are kind of eh about. Yeah. Um, 1982, they release an album that goes by two different titles, both of them um, pretty long, confusing titles. One of them, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the original title was I Thought This Was Love, But This Ain't Casablanca. 
and the alternate title is Out of the Jungle Where Things Ain't So Pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what song did you pick off of this album? I picked A Thousand Faces. Um, and, and it was hard enough to, to find the damn song. Um, but once I, once I did, I really, I really dug it. kind of saint song that I like the least. This is, um, you know, this is the blue colliriest pub rockiest um, music, you know, that they get. And it's just, mm -hmm. just the, the reason why I'm left cold about this yeah. band. Yeah. <laughs> 1984. A Little Madness To Be Free is released. Mm -hmm. um, this is one of your least favorite albums of, <laughs> of this period, right? Yeah. 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 Anything to say about this, or can we, we move on to um, the, their most successful U.S. album? Yeah, yeah. 1986. So, um, All Fool's Day... I, the, the Saints never had like a, a commercial hit here in the States, but this mm -hmm. was their best-selling album. Yeah. What song did you pick off of this album? Um, well, I picked a song that I could totally sit in a pub and listen to, um, holding a pint in my hand and singing along to uh, this tune with a bunch of other people. I chose uh, Celtic Ballad. Someone asking someone to show me the way. Everywhere I look, I see people, empty vessels that had lost their way. Crowded streets with a reek of madness, gray colored sadness, rain don't wash away. Drunken memories lie in the gutter. With brown paper bags and the junk from the night Faded greens dressed in frocks of velvet With painted faces in short decay Leather mothers of future children Are beaten senseless by the light of day
I just I just absolutely love that drinking tune. Um, Chris Bailey and and Hugh Jones produced this album, and I was kind of surprised to see because it, t- it goes back to some other music that I really like. Uh, Hugh Jones was the producer for uh, bands like Echo and the Bunnymen and The Damned and Modern English. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know that this album necessarily sounds anything like either any of those bands, but um, also, again, I, I think that it was it's important to mention that Bailey also brought back Richard Bergman, one of the the original guitarists for the band, and Ivor Hay, who was the original drum drummer of the band. So, mm-hmm. well, um, definitely a, a much slicker album than mm-hmm. anything before it. Uh, felt, felt more mature, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that brings us up through 1986, which is our cutoff uh, point. Uh, let's just briefly mention the seven albums released uh, between 1988 and 2012. Mm-hmm. So 1988 sees the release of Prodigal Son. Howling is released in 97. So big hiatus there. Uh, 1998 sees the release of Everybody Knows the Monkey. Spit the Blues Out is released in 2002. Nothing is Straight in My House is released in 2005. Imperious Delirium, 2006. And then the final release by the Saints, at least up until now, was 2012's King of the Sun. Well, that is April and May of 1978. Um, What what a great bunch of albums. Yeah, it's one hell of a playlist. Definitely click on that link and listen to that playlist. You're going to love it. Right. So, Rob, in two weeks, we are releasing our deep dive episode for this month. And what band are we going to be talking about? Uh, One of the bands that formed my love for new wave music, of course, uh, or at least helped form my love for the new wave music, uh, The Cars. Yay! Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mr. Mr. Ricky O himself and the band will be uh, joining us next episode. So I think that this is the first deep dive that we'll be doing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, where our enthusiasm for the band is about match matched yeah absolutely until now one of us has been a lot hotter on the band than the other right no i'm i'm with you i'm so excited about this deep dive okay i think that's our cue to say our farewells rob for sure thank you joseph uh yeah it was a blast man okay everybody we'll talk to you in two weeks see ya